From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. As I've worked with a number of people who have gone off on their own, it's really important to leave with some sort of revenue stream. Today on episode 102 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the creator and host of Second Act Stories, Andy Levine. Andy has interviewed dozens of individuals who have successfully moved from a long career as an employed professional into a new business. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Andy Levine. Andy is the creator and host of Second Act Stories, a fascination with storytelling and second acts, triggered the launch of this podcast. Andy lives in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, about five blocks from the Atlantic Ocean. He's always on the lookout for a good story and has traveled across the country for face-to-face interviews with podcast guests. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, David. I appreciate it. So, Andy, besides a fascination with storytelling and second acts, what else is behind the launch of your show, Second Act Stories? You know, I had started a podcast for my business, and I just really enjoyed it. I've always been really fascinated by people who do one thing for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years and then have the guts and the courage to make a change. And uh, I've done 96 interviews so far, and I've met some of the most fascinating people in the world by doing this podcast. Cool. What's your, your core business? I own a public relations and marketing firm in New York City. I'm in the process of a management buyout from two of my partners. And so as I just turned 60, I'm looking for different things to do. And the podcast is one of those things. Right. So I I do see the connection. What have you learned from your show? I guess a lot of different things. I think probably one of the most important things is, and, and I'm talking about sort of people who are successful in second acts. I call it a simple four word phrase, find what feeds you. Find something that you're passionate about that is important in terms of your purpose in life. A lot of times people are going back to something they really enjoyed in their youth. But, you know, it's really important that it be a purpose-driven sort of life. And if you can find that thing, and um, uh, that's great. If you can make money at that thing, that's even better. But I think um, finding purpose in your second act is probably most important. Yeah, I would agree. And, um, you know, it's interesting. So... The second acts you profile involve individuals that um, very often change their discipline or their area of specialization. Um, I've you know seen the kinds of people you've profiled on your show and what you've written about, and and for many of them they've gone in a very different direction. One of the questions I have for you is when someone is staying in the same discipline but pursuing how they work with clients and customers in a different way. How is that maybe similar or different than when somebody is totally changing disciplines? Yeah, I I mean, I probably, more of my interviews are someone totally changing uh, disciplines and, and doing something just completely different. But I do, I do find, you know, some people that I've interviewed are ones that have sort of gone off on their own and, and continued in the same same sort of career, but, you know, have left the big company and decided to, uh, as as your podcast title calls it, go solo. And um, 
I think they find there's an adjustment there. Uh, a lot of times they don't have some of some of the infrastructure that they had before, and some of the, you know they have to. Whereas they're used to you know having others that do certain aspects of their job, they may find now that they have to do everything themselves. That's an adjustment, but they also probably, in most cases, love the aspect of being their own boss and being able to run their own business exactly the way they want to run it. Yeah, and I would say based on the interviews that I've done, which is about the same number that you've done. Okay. At least for going solo. And then I have Smashing the Plateau, which has way more. But specifically about people that are making the transition from a long career as an employee, particularly a high-achieving employee, when they decide that they would rather work for themselves as their next act, it's often a much more challenging transition than people expect. Yeah, it's funny. I One of my more interesting ones are two journalists, a couple who one worked at the Boston Globe, one worked at the Boston Herald. Both were very frustrated with the changing media landscape and the newspaper landscape. And so they decided to jointly open up a sort of a breakfast luncheon place. I mean, dramatically different change. But, you know, they're working harder than they ever have in their lives is what they, they tell me. But they're enjoying it so much more because it's their own and and they own it they run it they make their own decisions they don't have editors changing things they don't have publishers you know not giving them the space they deserve it's a complete change right and now is their breakfast lunch thing does it have anything to do with journalism or is this like a totally different in- industry absolutely nothing to do with journalism yeah it's a completely different approach and for those, you know, besides the adjustment of having to do everything yourself, what other kinds of things have you heard is particularly challenging for those that stay in the same field but just become self-employed? You know, there's the money issue. I think it it is nice to have a paycheck. It is nice to have a 401k. It is nice to have an expense account. If you go off on your own, you don't have any of those things. I think one of the, and this maybe comes a little less from my experience with a podcast, but as I've worked with a number of people who have gone off on their own, it's really important to leave with some sort of revenue stream. A lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm just going to leave company X. I'm going to start my own company. It's a whole lot easier if you leave with one or two clients that you're already going to be working with and to have that, you know, and sometimes what involves is sort of starting things as a side hustle. Another gentleman I interviewed, he sort of worked in um, the hospitality sector. He was in sales for Marriott Corporation for a long time. But what he really loved was being a DJ. And he began it as a side hustle, would do it on the weekends. He got to a point where it was about half of his income that he was making at Marriott. And he thought that was enough to make the leap and to uh, leave Marriott and start a DJ business full-time. He got to the stage now where he has replaced the Marriott income completely. But if you're going to start something on your own, make sure you have some revenue source already. Yeah, and I know that some people make the transition. They have uh, some kind of package which provides some income for a period of time. Yep. Yep. which, again, provides some cushion. However, it's different than having a couple of clients that, that are likely to be ongoing. Because this, you know, if you have a package, chances are that the revenue is going to end before too long. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. 
When you're winding down your activity and your job as you begin to plan for your next act, it sounds like you're being more reflective and deliberative than many people are when they go from employment to self-employment. Can you talk a little bit about your own process? Yeah. So when I started looking at this, you know, and and I, I know enough about myself that I need to be busy and I want to be doing interesting things. So I started out and I sort of said, well, what could those things be? And I picked about four different things. One was the Second Act Stories podcast we've already talked about. I looked at starting a new company called Seven Thank Yous. I started a citizens group in my um, my own town here, sort of dealing with a, a problem in our community. And then I became a uh, assistant cross-country coach for a, uh, a local high school team here. So my thought was, let me try four or five different things and see what I really like. The podcast is one thing I've really enjoyed, has been really fun. The political work on sort of the citizens committee that I mentioned has been a little bit more trying and a little bit more difficult. So you sort of get a sense of what am I, first of all, good at and what am I enjoying? And hopefully, you know, I've, I've taken the approach here, David, of let me try four or five things at once and and then sort of hone in on the ones that I'm having the most fun with, the most success with, and um, I find the most rewarding, essentially. So where are you now in the process? What does it look like your second act might be, or do you uh, not know yet? It's emerging. Of of the four things I've tried, I'd say, you know, one I said, okay, I'm going to take this to the end, but it's not something I'm going to pursue after we resolve this. Uh, that's the citizens group work. Uh, second act stories definitely continue. We'll see if the new company is successful. I'm very optimistic about it, but that's sort of a work in progress. And I know I really enjoy the cross-country coaching as well. So, you know, of the four, two are working out well. One is on the fence and um, and one is uh, a definite no. Right. I love your um, your analytical process with this. Yeah, no, it, it's been interesting. And, you know, a lot of times people start off on either some sort of second act and they find, you know, I, I have one theory that second acts are rarely a straight line. You know, undoubtedly they're going to be roadblocks and challenges, but if you're flexible and creative, you can overcome those barriers. But something you thought you were really going to enjoy or thought you were going to be really good at, sometimes it doesn't turn out that way. And it's, it's I think you're you're more likely to find success if you try multiple paths. Yeah. How do you figure out how to allocate your time? Because you're still in your own business and you have these four side projects. Yeah. It's a bit of juggling. My wife would tell you I've probably bit off a little more than I could chew, but I'm working about half time in my, um, my day job, so to speak. And each of these other four projects, they will go up or down based on, you know, a different event or, you know, different point I am, you know, the, the cross country season is kind of interesting because it's on for three months in an intense way. And then you're, then you don't do anything for nine months. So it's sort of, um, I find a flow to each of these things and I'm, I'm making it work. Yeah. Andy, do you have a methodology for determining how successful each one is? Uh, <laughs> I've never ever thought of it in terms of a methodology. You know, I think it's it's sort of the enjoyment that I get out of it. And uh, I am somewhat blessed that um, my wife and I are financially secure. 
I wouldn't say we're, you know, wealthy, but we're financially secure. And that, to a certain extent, takes a lot of pressure off of things. You know, I, I, in the business that I'm pursuing, I can make an investment and, you know, I'm not going to be bankrupt if, if it doesn't work out. Yeah, no, that that makes a huge difference. I know, like, uh, for example, uh, I'm quite familiar with podcasting, and many people yearn to try to, as it's called, monetize their podcast. And in actuality, a very tiny percentage of people that have podcasts actually make a ton of money through their podcasts. Mine is certainly the case there. (laughs) I've tried to monetize it, but in an unusual way, I will oftentimes give presentations or speeches related to second acts and uh, have found that that some people are willing to compensate me for those uh, presentations. Uh, But I've not tried to sell advertising or, or sort of that normal approach. Yeah. So as you look forward, what kind of time horizon do you see for reaching some kind of conclusion on your second act? You know, I I think probably by January of 2022, I hope to have sort of a clear picture of the, you know, I'll probably be at a point there that the transition will be pretty far along in terms of my day job, and I'll have more time to commit to these other projects, but I, I probably go from, you know, four projects to two projects, something like that. Sounds good. Now, going back to the, the folks you've interviewed where they have pursued something that needs to be financially rewarding because they they do need it to support their lifestyle. What have you seen that has worked really well? You know, besides that having a couple of revenue streams when you make the transition, you know, at some point you reach some level of sustainability. And some people when they start something new, they continually struggle and it doesn't quite work out as well as they anticipate. And then there are others, like I've had people on my show where they've had a long career as an employee, you know, and they've managed to support their lifestyle that way. They make a transition into business and they discover that they're actually making a lot more money in their own business than they did as an employee. What have you heard from folks that you've interviewed about what has worked surprisingly well financially i'll give you you know i find it easiest to talk through examples of specific people that i've interviewed and and as you're bringing this up david two come to mind the first is richard turner he was a high-powered lawyer and a trial attorney in california and he woke up one morning and basically announced to his wife that that he was putting his sleeping bag in the car and he was taking a one-month sabbatical and trying to figure out what he wanted to do so he drove around the West and sort of camped and sort of, you know, had some reflection. He came back and he decided to become a nature photographer. And he had absolutely zero photography experience, nothing. So this was sort of an odd choice, but he had taken this photo of this moose and a professional photographer looked at it and said, this photograph is horrible. You've, you've really, you know, you had this great subject, this great opportunity, and you, you sort of blew it. And that sort of pissed him off to a certain extent. So anyway, he became a photographer. What was interesting is he found a way to monetize it by creating personally signed greeting cards of his wildlife photography. And he was able to get it in a bunch of different stores. And he signs every single greeting card with his photography. And he sold over 50,000 of them. 
So he's found a way to sort of support himself and make it work. The second example I'll give you is a guy named Marty Herman. He was a, um, a business consultant. And at 75, he always loved writing. And he wrote his first book, a murder mystery novel. Got it printed and you know, thought, well, maybe I'll try to sell this on Amazon. He found Amazon was a really terrible way to try to sell the books. But he got involved in going to all of these different author fairs or book fairs around the country. Well, probably more in the Northeast. But he would you know, basically pile his books. He ended up writing five murder mysteries uh, over the course of five years. And he'd pile the books in his car. He'd set up a table. And he's a really good salesman. And he ended up selling about 20,000 books uh, by doing this and now supports himself by uh, book sales. So for both of them, it was sort of their creativity. They found a way to, in the first case, sell their, his photography, found a way to sell his books in the second case. But they weren't obvious choices when they started out. Yeah, and also being able to sell something creative is quite challenging. Very challenging. And, and you know, in both cases, these guys were very creative about the way they went about this solution. Yeah. If there is one suggestion, one piece of advice you would have for someone going solo based on your own experiences and what you've heard through your podcast, what would it be? I'd probably go back to what I shared earlier, which is start with a revenue source. You know, until you have some sort of revenue source, I think it is, uh, if you're going to be reliant on the income of a, uh, a solo act, you know, to, to begin with some sort of contract, revenue source, client in hand already. Otherwise, you're taking an a enormous, enormous risk. Yeah, well said. Andy, this has been a fascinating discussion, um, hearing some of your takeaways from all of your work looking at second act stories and applying it to those who are going solo. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today, access your podcast or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? Sure. Probably email is the easiest. Secondactstories at gmail.com is probably the best ways to get in touch with me. And I'd love to talk more about it. Great. Um, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo. My guest has been the creator and host of Second Act Stories, Andy Levine. Thank you again, Andy, for joining us. Thank you, David. Have a great day. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to launch your second act and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>